You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 701 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Ride IQ. On tonight's show, we are looking forward to talking with one of our original contributors to the show, Hillary Moore Hebert, about industry trends. After that, we've got veterinarian Carol Holland talking about treating horses with acupuncture during competition. Wendy Murdoch joins us for the New Year's update. And the Ride IQ tip this week is with Lauren Spicer. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. How are you? Hey, Reese. Happy birthday. <laughs> I thought you and Paul were going to sing to me. We were so I was sing. really looking okay, forward pa- to it. Paul, are you there? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am here. I am here. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Is it Three, in the key of the A. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Happy birthday to you. Wait, why am I the Where's Paul? Where's Paul? No, I, I did the countdown. I'm, I'm, I'm singing. Oh, no, you're not. Okay, <laughs> forget well, it. Well, boys, we tried our good best. Attempt. Okay, we're going we're gonna to time out on that. That was, I made me smile and laugh. <laughs> well, you guys are so cute. Well, it is true. Phil, we have also done your birthday on the show. After 10 years, at some point, our birthday do actually fall uh, on a Thursday when we record and it is far too complicated to change that so I but truly it is an honor to spend my Thursdays with you and Paul it really makes me smile I had a great day um you know I'm here in Wellington and um or Loxahatchee technically and I, I truly had a great day you know um I've been coming here now also you know 20 years and I have very very good friends so we had like 20 people at the pizza restaurant last night. And today um, I had lessons and my horses were so good. Scott didn't even forgot or didn't know it was my birthday until after. And he was like, geez, they, that was a pretty good day. Like I had a great ride on my horses and uh, my, I, I went to teach at a client's barn and she had a huge cupcake of um, everybody knows I love unicorns. So, I mean, it was just, just made me smile. It was just a lovely day and uh, my horses are great. The weather's great. I'm sorry, Phil and Paul and anyone else that isn't in good weather. Uh, it's not, wasn't good weather at home today in Kentucky, but um, it really made me smile. So thank you guys. Uh, and it really truly was it. Things are starting to rock and roll. The first CDI literally happened today. Um, I, Adrian Lyle actually won the Grand Prix, uh, that just literally hot off the presses. It just happened. Um, but yeah, it's been really special and, and all my friends here just made it, you know, it is hard to be away from your family, but this is my family in the winter. And, and I just, uh, was very, very thankful for all my friends and, uh, it was great. It was a great day. So, um, we really do have a really, really good show for everybody. Uh, I think we're all happy to be kind of back in routine. This is our second show. Uh, I don't know about, about you, Phil, but it's nice to kind of be back and working and, and doing doing life after the holidays. Had a great time, but was ready for it. We're going to get started with Hillary Moore Hebert, a really good friend of ours, after this break from Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Commercial feeds are fortified with nutrients such as proteins, vitamins, and minerals. They are made up of a variety of ingredients that provide a particular amount of energy. Most feeds have been designed to address the needs of a certain type of horse. It is important to understand that all feeds are formulated by nutritionists to be fed in specific amounts. When the correct amount of feed is provided, the horse consumes the appropriate amount of energy and nutrients. The feeding directions included on the feed bag or the feed tag are specific to the particular feed 
and should be followed. When you feed less than the recommended amount of feed, your horse is not getting the full complement of nutrients that he or she may need. On the other hand, too much of a good thing can also be bad. The overfeeding of concentrates can lead to grain overload and oversupplementation, and feed should never be cut or mixed with other fortified feeds or plain grains because this changes the nutrient profile and can cause imbalances in energy, protein, vitamins, and minerals. If you need to include additional supplements in your horse's diet, choose products that are formulated to complement, not compete with fortified feeds. If you feed a plain grain such as oats, additional fortification may be necessary. Kentucky Performance Products supplements are specifically designed to complement, not compete with the modern concentrates used by today's horse owners. Each supplement is manufactured to exacting standards in certified facilities using stringent quality control guidelines. So choose Kentucky Performance Products supplements because the horse that matters to you matters to them. Learn more about Kentucky Performance Products supplements at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have back on our show. It's been a little bit of a hiatus, but we're so happy to have FEI rider, trainer, and friend of the show, Hillary Hebert, on the show. Welcome back, Hillary. Hi, everybody. How are you? <laughs> we're thrilled to have you. So first of all, before we start our interview, because you and I are both mm-hmm. in Wellington and season has mm-hmm. just started like today. Um, how yes. are you? How are your horses? They are doing very well, I have to say. Uh, and I am not like a very emotional person, but you just for some reason are like choking me up because I realized that I have been a guest on your show since two of the horses that I have down here were weanlings mm-hmm. and actually before one of them even existed. And so both of them are going under saddle. They're still young. Um, and oh, are, are, those the, are those the Canadian horses? Yes, they are because together. I love it. Yeah, so it's amazing. It first of all makes me realize how long we have all been doing this. Um, <laughs> yes, but also that's true. Time flies. Yeah. 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 Age is a thing today for sure, but I love it. So tell so your horses are good. You're in Wellington. Mm-hmm. Season started today, mm-hmm. but you you and I were chatting, actually just touching base on on text, and you had a, a really interesting point in discussion you wanted to talk about. So I'm just going to let you get going on it. Yes. So I am speaking of time and everything. I am now old enough that I have both a 22 stall training business in Maryland that I'm running. And now we have a seven stall facility down here in Florida. So as much as I'm very focused on the dressage stuff, I'm also really focused on sort of the overall operation of things, right? The business. And um, I didn't mention this to you, but I have extended family that are in the restaurant industry. And so I'm always kind of keeping my eye out for what's going on because they are so similar. And I read in the New York Times that Noma, which is rated the world's best restaurant, is closing its doors. And the article I found really fascinating because I read it from the perspective of someone who owns boarding facilities, and works in the dressage world as a professional. So there's three points that um, they talk about. And I thought it would be really interesting for us to discuss how this relates to the equestrian world, um, obviously the dressage world more specifically, because that's the side that I understand most. But I wanted to start with just sort of the overall reason that they gave. And they said that they are closing their doors because of the sustainability of it all, that it's not profitable with the cost of all the things and the labor is very difficult. And so I wanted to talk about how I'm seeing a lot of fellow barn owners talk about how boarding operations are becoming unprofitable as well. And I think that for all of your listeners, it's important 
both on the side of people who are interested in having boarding barns, but also for us to think about when we're looking for a boarding facility. And I know you guys are involved in that side. I was curious to know kind of what you're noticing from the business side for what the boarding aspect is going on, like what's going on with you guys in your neck of the woods. Well, I will say from my point of view, um, you know, obviously labor is the hardest thing. And and I really want to, it's really important to me to pay someone a living wage for sure. But there's a fine line between how much I work, how much I need support and what I can pay someone and what the clients are willing to pay. So um, mm-hmm. and specifically like here in Wellington, because it's incredibly expensive. And at some level, you know, I don't want to subsidize someone horse, someone's horse coming here, but I also yeah. have to make it affordable. So it's, it is absolutely a balance. Um, I, uh, before COVID actually, and it wasn't, it didn't have to do with COVID, but I actually shifted my business to more of a train, like actually giving lessons and less horses in training. And so, mm-hmm. uh, that was easier on my staff. It was easier on my farm. Um, I, cause again, I also own a, a boarding stable, well, a, a training stable so I'm, I'm on board. Correct. Or I physically drive somewhere and, mm-hmm. um, that was less labor. Uh, it was less wear and tear on my farm. It's less overhead. So it was, it was actually cheaper for me to have not all my stalls full and sort of pick the, the magic number, which mm-hmm. in Florida I found is seven and Kentucky it's eight. Um, you know, kind of pick that magic number and and do that. So that's what I've done over time. Uh, and I've also decreased my working student program, which I hate. And uh, it's not that I wouldn't increase it. And I think we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, but mm-hmm. it was very difficult. Um, it, it, students wouldn't show up, right? And I went to uh, a pool, uh, you know, a staff member. And then if we have a working student, great. And if we don't, it, it doesn't change anything, if that makes sense. So, Phil, how about you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's been a lot of discussion, like macroeconomical issues. Um, just, you know, coming into 2023, they're forecasting a, a bit of a recession. Many businesses are, you know, laying people off or, you know, and, and then there's the whole thing of like, like Hillary said, is like, living wage, right? Well, you know, what is that? You know, I, I don't think that, you know, unless you're incredibly wealthy and, and that the idea of free labor is not sustainable anymore. And and that's sort of what, what our business is built on, um, mm-hmm. you know, the working student gig and, and whatever. And I, and I don't think that people should work for free, but also they're getting, I try, you know, as a trainer, you try to add a lot of value you know, I, growing, growing up until I was 20 something, my family owned a boarding barn. And as a family, we got out of that business because it was like you can earn more money by, you know, going to Tim or going to McDonald's, you know, and, and mm-hmm. getting a, a low paying job because you, you're you're working for less than free. You're paying to have people's horses on your farm. So that wasn't doable. My, my, my parents sold the farm, retired, you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, that's kind of the issues of any business that has cheap labor or, you know, whatever. That's just it's not it's looking forward. You just can't rely on that. Right. So then you have to, you know, as a business, you have to charge more. And that's kind of the, the way it's going. You know, yeah, economically, think, yeah. you, you, you got to make it work as a barn owner and, and whatever. But it's not. You can't work for free free either. Like you can't pay people nothing and you can't work for nothing. So, you know, where does that, where does that all come to a conclusion or a solution? I, I, I have no idea, but I, I yeah. currently am not involved in the boarding business. I'm, you know, just a free, you know, not just, but, but just started working, you know, in my late twenties, you know, as of, as a freelance coach and, you know, that's, that's worked for me. And, and, uh, you know, I, I work part of my day, you know, for a breeder. So, you know, that's that's been the best thing for me. But but the breeder isn't running a boarding bar and is running a breeding business. So, I mean, it all comes, you know, it all comes back to, 
you know, how do you how do you breed a horse? How do you care for a horse? It's all very, very expensive. So I, I don't know what the solution is, Hillary. Yeah. What are, what are you thinking? Well, and so it's sort of interesting because before I get, I have two other points. The second one is only going to make it a little more grim sounding, but I promise to everyone listening that we will come up with, you know, what the answer is a little bit at the end. But I think that your point of, you know, the labor and everything, what's really interesting is they also talked about that is obviously the restaurant industry is um, more, you know, of a public thing. And so they got a lot of public pressure because they weren't paying their interns. Uh, They said that they had 100 interns that when they started paying them, their payroll went up $50,000 a week, Mm -hmm. which is, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, it, it makes you realize how much we're relying on this. Now, I would like to say before I'm the old person who's the barn owner, right? Uh, I've been a working student since I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like to work for free. But I think the other thing that I want to point out is that this is what they said in the article is that it's sustainable for no one, including the top right. people. And I know this from family members, uh, you know, they're expected to be working like 20 hour days and I'm not over exaggerating. And I feel the same on Christmas morning, we flew home Christmas Eve, um, my family and on Christmas morning, so I could give my staff off. I did my barn alone and I did it before my son woke up for Christmas morning and it was nine degrees out. So I did the whole barn alone at four in the morning when it was nine degrees out and I was acclimated to the Florida temperatures. So it's not all glamorous, even at the top. And I think a lot of people in the equestrian world also had the experience that the chef did is when COVID closed things down, you had the time for the first time in a long time to sit down and just say, what the heck am I doing? This is not healthy. And so I think it's more to kind of complete the thought we had in the first point of just, you know, this is not, we can't build they say this in the article too, we can't build an industry on the backs of, you know, free labor or people who are overworking themselves to death. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of it. Right. And well, I, I mean, we've, we've all been working important. students. We, we know what that experience is. And I, you know, I, I personally don't have the attitude like, well, I did it. And so the next person coming up yeah. should do it. No, I want, you know, you want it to be better. You want to make it better, and and uh, and you know what what is the way, what is the path for doing that? You know, is is having a working student, but paying them a uh, you know a living wage, and and not having the attitude like, oh, well, you're just not just. I mean, this is a difficult conversation, but it's like, well, I I don't take the labor for granted, right? And and like you you want to not overwork people, and you don't you, you just because. You know, I had a tough experience. I don't want to pass that along as part of part of the industry. We've just got to yeah. find ways to to make it all kind of um, more livable and mm-hmm. and uh, you know encourage people to come into the industry and, and not and not say, well, this is this is tough and and you know just toughen up. I, I don't think that's the attitude either. Yeah, I yeah. think that that is a really really good point um, because I think it's also probably the legacy. I hope that we're all, you know, similar in age. I hope that's the legacy that we are passing on for our generation in the sport is that, you know, we're not trying to pass on the suffering um, that we maybe, you know, lived through or heard of for the previous generations and are trying to fix it. I also think that I see a lot of older professionals trying to do the same. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, the thing that was most interesting to me, cause I was very much like reading this article thinking, uh, you know, this is a lot of the things that are worrying, but the solution that they came up with is this quote from the chef. He says that, I hope we can prove to the world that you can grow old and be creative and have fun in the, the industry instead of hard, grueling, low paid work under poor management conditions that wear people down. And I was very interested to see that they are closing the restaurant to diners, but are actually going to continue in like a think tank sort of way with experimenting. And um, more importantly, they're opening an e-commerce 
section where you can do things online. And that was so amazing to me to see because all of these things are coming up in our industry that are very nimble and um, cutting edge, uh, you know, particularly since COVID. And I thought that that was really interesting and wanted to know your all of your thoughts about kind of how we see that happening in dressage. Yeah. I mean, I think that, well, at the end of the day, we take care of horses. And I think that's one thing we have to remember that no matter what happens during the day, the horses have to be fed. The stalls have to be cleaned. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the only difference is at some point. Right. And I do also want to say that trainers, you know, we do, we have all, and, and we're three, I would say, senior trainers or, or middle-aged trainers, which I hate to say it, but we've spent a lot of money into our careers. So I still think that people have to value the lessons that you are given. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I think that's really important to remember that is that, you know, a lot of people want to get better at riding but there is a cost to that, right? The three of us have lives and farms and businesses and all that. All that. So I think that's number one really important to remember is, is that is where the work comes. And a lot of times, you know, if somebody feeds, feeds the horses in the afternoon and you give a lesson as a coach, you are losing a lot of money, right? So I think that's not what I wanted to say to that. But I do see, you know, um, you know here in Florida, one of the things that I won't do is I won't fly back to Kentucky this year, this winter, because I can do virtual lessons. So yeah. the people that I need to support in Kentucky, right, are all set up to do virtuals, which is great, right? It does bring an added stress to your day in the sense of, you know, um, that's still a scheduled time that you're still doing, but it's actually quite easy, you know. I sit down at 7.58, I log on at 8, I can have my cup of coffee, and I can be done at 8.45 and move on to my next task. So, um, But it's also a really cool service I can offer my students so that they don't feel like, oh, my trainer leaves for three months and goes to Wellington. So I do think that that's really helpful. So I do and see... And it's in, sustainable in, too, right? Yes, Like if 100%. in terms of it's cheaper and better for the environment. Yeah. Like I'm not driving to their farm at home. I would be driving to their farm. I would be, you, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, and I'm not doing that. I'm not flying home um, to teach a clinic, which for us, I've flown home and flown into, into winter storms and not been able to even work, which is why I was there. Well, I obviously was there for personal reasons too, but so I do think that that's actually quite helpful and I'm not driving to their farm, which is, you know, a 40 minute drive for me. I don't know how you guys feel, but from a teaching perspective, I do feel like I can give a good online lesson. And I do think that a lot of my students actually like it because they still have me in their ear. They still have me working on things. I can't see everything, right? It's not as perfect. I would prefer to be there in person, but um, it certainly has been, it has been a good thing. How about you, Phil? Well, I mean, this is exactly what Hillary's talking about is kind of rotating towards, you know, enabling and using the technology to be able to be in a lot of places at once without ever having to, you know, leave your living room. Like these are the ideas that have kind of come out of the pandemic because of necessity. And then, you know, people should be carrying them forward. And, you know, I've seen lots of uh, you know, online programs and, and, and all these things that are just of, of benefit to helping people ride better, right? You know, um, when, when we think of, you know, when I was coming up riding, there I didn't have access to necessarily great trainers and, and all of that, you know, throughout my, throughout my career, I've been able to gain that access. But, you know, think about if you, if, you know, f for me, I'm Canadian. So if I was well on the East Coast where Hillary's horses come from, there's not that many dressage trainers, you know, so, so people that, you know, the big wigs, you know, looking to get scores to go to the Olympics and all these things, you know, all, all of them have to go to Florida, but they're still servicing their clients at home and, and giving great mm -hmm. advice. And then, you know, thinking of 
Um, you know, if, if I was out on the East coast as a young rider or whatever, you know, I'm not, you know, just doing a million circles on my own for, for four or five months. I mean, right. that, that's been, that's been great. And it's been great for the students. It's been great for the, uh, f- for the trainers. We've got to continue to innovate and, and, um, you know, help people. But, uh, the, the other side of this is like, in the end, it's it's horse riding. It's it's an old school thing that you you um, can't can't get more experienced horse riding without riding a horse. And so, I think that is the the challenging part of all of this. And 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 like Reese said, like the horse, wherever it is, needs almost constant care. You know, so that that that's the that's the challenge that that you know isn't really presented in the restaurant industry, but is in in ours because. It's just the way it is, right? I don't think there's, you know, any anybody that can build a, a horse care robot that that would walk uh, like a stall and imagine, feed, feed a horse. Yeah, and I'd like to imagine, in you know, it, that maybe some things that will automate. As someone who has automatic heated waterers, my gosh, that was a difference on yeah. Christmas. Yeah, you know, you think about the invention of the tractor as something that's very, very old, but you do sort of hope that the agricultural world will innovate in some ways in the future. And maybe this will be the push. And 10 years from now, we'll look back at this interview and laugh because there really will be a cell cleaning robot. But, you know, maybe that's what it is, is that the necessity will push us in that direction in the future. Yeah. I think that's that's part of it. And, you know, I don't think any of us want to put, I mean, we were all working students. We all did that. Um, I don't think it's sustainable, but I do feel that that's a great way to learn. And so I think that's kind of the the question, right? Is like, how do you, how do you learn this sport? How do you learn your craft? Because there's no real school in the U.S. for teaching trainers, you know, so there's some level of you, you that's how you learn. So... So anyways, yeah. Yeah, I think it sort of prepares you for, for like, you know, in, in my working student experience, it prepared me for, you know, le- working long hours, le- learning from somebody more experienced, you know, taking all of those lessons and applying them. And, and basically, if you, if you want to be a trainer, you have to, number one, work hard. Yes. And, and then uh, and, and I think that was the, the biggest lesson for me. I, I I don't know. Like, how do you how do you motivate a a generation that is not necessarily used to difficult physical labor? I don't know. But right. Um. That's yeah. it's just a, you know interesting topics to think of, and uh, you know you know always kind of like Hillary was saying, like if you're in the industry, you have to always look forward and and keep giving yourself a job, right? Because eventually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, if, if it gets so expensive or so troublesome, it's just, it's not going to, the industry is just not going to be there anymore for future generations. So yeah, uh, that, that's, that's my thoughts anyways. So Hillary, in closing, do you have any final thoughts? Well, I am maybe going to talk myself <laughs> into this, but what do they say in Jurassic Park? Nature will find a way. I would mm-hmm. like to imagine that we are, I really do believe we're at a pretty big crossroads right now coming out of yeah. COVID with the way that we're sort of having the cost getting to a threshold. Um, I'd like to imagine that we are going to see as in the restaurant industry, probably a pretty big shift in things, but also a lot of change. And I do think we've seen that in the last three years, tenfold in the sport. And I think it will only keep growing as technology becomes more accessible to everyone, as we have a shift in sort of what people have as expectations. So my hope is that uh, this is going to push us into innovation. That's my thought. Yes. Yeah. And I do think it it is helpful. I mean, I've personally taken virtual lessons with my own coach and it's been good. You know, I, I, I feel like we were, we were able to get ready for finals and, and do what we needed to do. So, um, I do think, you know, there's some programs out there, there are coaches that are doing this more and more. Um, so I do think it, it is a good way of innovation. So I love it. Well, Hillary, as always, we love it when you come on, you bring such great thoughts and discussion. Um, how can we find you online if we're looking for you? 
everyone can um, check out my website, which is moredressage.com, which is my maiden name, M-O-O-R-E, or you can find me on social media. Um, I have just created a TikTok uh, and people can find me there under my name. And um, I actually have been ranting about this for (laughs) a week or two. So (laughs) people can talk more. And actually, I would love for people to comment their thoughts Then we could kind of get interactive. Yeah, I love it. And and I think that's good because that's where where we're gonna keep moving forward. So I love it. TikTok well, thank lesson. you so much. I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna be signing up for TikTok. Uh, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I just gave my 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 Chihuahua uh, Instagram account. And I think that's where I'm at. With it, so. <laughs> that's where you're stopping. It's a yeah. good Instagram account. <laughs> it's a it's a great. Uh, my uh, my wife kind of um, makes the videos and whatever, but uh, I love it. Awesome. Well, Hillary, thanks so much. And we're so glad to have you back on. We can't wait to have you on another time. I'll talk to you guys soon. Keeping our horses happy and healthy is paramount to horse owners everywhere. Since our horses are often a reflection of the environment we create for them, the Stall and Stable Show covers ideas that help us create the best home we can. From innovations in barn design to business best practices and lifestyle segments, there's a new episode every two weeks at stallandstable.com, Horse Radio Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, tonight I am so happy to have Dr. Carol Holland from Wellington, Florida. She has been my my acupuncturist, chiropractor, veterinarian, support person for many years, and we're thrilled to have her on the program. Welcome back, Dr. Holland. Thank you, and thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. Well, we always love you came to visit me and my horses yesterday. Uh, it's always what we actually saw each other in the public public's parking lot, which is kind of how <laughs> business is done in Wellington. And I like waved you down. I'm like, I need an appointment as soon as possible. So it was so fun. So we got to have you come yesterday and check my kiddos, which you've, you know, been part of my team for many years. And, you know, you know, my horses and that's, it's so important. Um, but you have a wonderful topic that you've been discussing um, this summer. And so I wanted to hand the mic to you about, about your topic and uh, what we're talking about tonight. Super, yeah, and um, and thank you again. And I just wanted to tell you that um, I have spent a lot of time in recent years because of my um, training in acupuncture and, and doing um, chiropractic and uh, sports medicine work, and spent a lot of time going to the actual horse shows with my clients. It's given me a new perspective to do that. And this summer, I spent a lot of time doing that. So um, I was asked to give a speech on uh, pain and therapy and the competition athlete because. A lot of people don't know and haven't taken a good look at or, or used the benefit of how you can work on a horse during a competition, even the FEI competition or CDIs, because it is allowed under the rules. And also, a lot of horses get stressed out um, during the competition. So acupuncture is amazing during the competition and um, the, because the number one benefit of acupuncture is for pain relief. And then also, because of the pain relief, and the way that acupuncture works, it releases endorphins. And I think I've mentioned that during one of your talks already, that people have, have mm-hmm. been following you for a while. Remember that. So the huge benefit of acupuncture is um, the endorphin release. And what horse that goes to a horse show that gets on a trailer, that gets tacked up, new tack or fun tack or stress of the owner, which transmits to the horses, going to a stall, all these crazy horses around them that are scared to that doesn't always have some sort of stress in their life. And to get acupuncture treatment during the competition, it's it's so beneficial because the endorphin release will help them calm down plus give them some pain relief. All the shows always, you know, affect digestion because maybe the horse doesn't want to eat because its neighbor is screaming. You know, the horse neighbor is screaming. The stalls are small. Um, they get stiff from the trailer ride. So, again, you can just put the wheel on and start rolling ideas of, of what will cause a horse to be upset at a horse show if they're not used to it or even if they are used to it. So that's why I wanted to bring up the topic that, you know, it's beneficial during competition. And a lot of people still, have, you know, haven't taken uh, advantage of this. So you can do it during an FEI competition if no one knew. It is allowed. The only part that's not allowed is to use an electro machine with the actual acupuncture. So you can use dry needles. Um, You cannot inject a substance into a horse. So the main thing you can do is use dry needles during the treatment. 
Chiropractic or body work is also allowed during an FEI competition and certainly during um, USEF competitions, which are called national shows or national competitions. And this is worldwide. This isn't just um, in America. Like anywhere you go in any country during a national competition or during FEI, you can use this therapy. And the main thing you have to do is understand the need of the owner or the trainer or the rider, whichever one or the combination, if it's an owner, trainer, rider, and you have to understand exactly what that horse needs. And certainly um, that's understanding acupuncture. So for instance, um, I have a lot of people that call me and say, hey, my horse is upset and he doesn't calm down. So then I would use acupuncture for calming during the competition or um, during the competition, a horse, uh, an owner may say, oh, my horse tripped getting off the trailer and he's really tight in his neck. So I would go for that specific reason, you know, during the competition. And so you have to get a, a reason and have to understand, you know, the owner. So I always make that as a stress to my owners. And I would like to put that out there for all the owners listening, that the communication between your acupuncture vet or your, your therapist vet during the competition is, is the most important thing because there's so many opportunities with acupuncture that you can do during the competition to help out. And um, and the rules are it can be done the day of, um, and then you have to always check with the FEI delegate that that delegates there, and if you know so that they know, and your veterinarian should know that because we have rules on how we have to do it. But once the vet is accepted into the FEI uh, enclosure, it can be done. And then if you're at a national show and you show up, then um, the rules are you know whatever the the competition rules are for that showgrounds, you know, for veterinarians coming on the showgrounds. The, the veterinarian should know those rules. One of the other things that I have found for acupuncture um, after the competition is some people don't know, like if you ship out and you have a horse show the next week and your horse is like competing weekly or say a lot of um, horses have to come back or they compete again in two weeks, you know, they're trying to qualify for something and you're like, okay, I've got the next three weeks I have to show, which sometimes people give a break, sometimes not. Um, it's super important to check them within, I think, 24 hours after a competition. And that can be done too because horses are extremely tired, just like you would be if you ran a marathon every day or you ran a 10K every day and you had to go to work every single day and do that. So um, the acupuncture can help for the pain and the sore muscles. Um, proactive therapy is what I call post-competition therapy. And when you use that for proactive for the next week, your horse is already set up for endorphin release to be calm going into the next show or just during your training for the next week. So um, for me, I sort of developed a plan with the athletes that I work with, the uh, their owners of the athletes that I work with, the equine athlete. Mm-hmm. I say, look, you know, I think specifically this horse really needs post-competition therapy. This horse does really well for during the competition therapy. And, you know, we develop a plan based on an individual basis. I was just going to interject my own perspectives on this is, is just that pre-competition or, you know, Setting up because I have a chiropractor slash acupuncturist veterinarian that that treats our horses. And uh, I mean, I, I see an acupuncturist and, and I think, you know, you it's hard to just call someone and say, I might have a show. Let's let's do some acupuncture where, you know, whereas like, OK, now how's the veterinarian supposed to do a, a full kind of assessment, workup, discuss all the issues at a competition. I think you should, like, if you're thinking about acupuncture for your horse or any any sort of treatment, you should be doing it, you know, early, pre, you know, thinking thinking about, like, at this point in time, you know, for us in Canada, it's like, okay, we're a few months away from our first show, our first competition. Maybe I'd like to uh, involve an acupuncturist, chiropractic adjusting for the horse. So, Let's think early. Let's not get halfway into a, a competition season and then start to throw things at the horse and, and you know, and, and more and more therapies. Um, I think you have to prepare the practitioner and you have to prepare yourself and you have to prepare the horse to be doing these things um, pr- prior to the first to the first show. I, I 100% agree. And and when um, my clients and owners, when they are um, do that it makes my life very easy and it makes it very easy for me as a therapist to come in and then I know the horse and that's 100% perfect so that if a a problem 
during the competition arises, I already know the horse. And I know that if you called me and I'd been seeing you for three or four months and you called and said, there's something not right and you can come check it and you know the horse. And so that's the perfect scenario. But letting you know during the competition, I mean, you you what you're saying is you already know the horse and there's not going to be some huge project to get um, taken care of. Well, and you have um, a baseline to that. say, yeah, yes, yeah exactly. Have, yeah. In any sort of uh, veterinarian work, you have to have a baseline uh, of the of the patient. Right. Because it's hard to determine is, you know, a bit of a, a sore muscle or is this a regular thing? Is this a new thing? Is is this what I'm, I need to treat right now? Or is that, you know, is it ongoing or is it an, an acute injury? Like this is this is why the the veterinarians have such a, a hard time because you know there's there's not really a baseline when somebody has a horse and then they just call someone out and, and it's like okay you know oh I, I think I think he pulled a muscle or I think he you know uh, well there's 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 no baseline it's already too late right and then yeah. Uh, yeah. you know every horse has stuff just like in x-rays or, or whatever, like you, you've got to kind of work with someone, you know, when, when the horse is feeling good, I think. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, sort of a, a crazy concept, but, um, <laughs> it's not crazy. Yeah. It's like, it's you don't not, go to the doctor also, if you're feeling great. And, and like only, yeah. when, only when you are like, Oh, I can't move this arm or, or whatever that now I need <laughs> to see a doctor. Well, it's, 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 it's difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah. Well, and I think too, but, like working with, you know, Dr. Holland and, and, you know, we have a plan and I think that that's so important so that if something goes awry, which it does, uh, hopefully it doesn't, but, and you plan for it not to, but if it does, then there is a, you, you have a baseline, but I think it's so important to have that team, especially when those horses are competing at the international level. And, you know, here in Florida now it's, it's go time. And, and it's, it is. And, and a lot of times, you know, even the riders, you don't all feel great. Uh, but if you are constantly working with someone and, you know, it's also, it's, it's a nice break for the horses too. Like if you've been in an FEI stabling, it is, you can only get in there with credentials and they are pretty strict here. You just can't walk in there. Very yeah. Very, which is good because it is quiet back there. And, and we like that. And, and that way, that you do have a chance you can have the horses can have their appointment. They can rest, they can have the therapies that they need. Um, and so it is really important to have that if you're competing internationally and Dr. Holland will travel with horses. She knows them different countries. You know, there's, there's so many different challenges that these horses face. Um, so having a team that comes, but that really can come just at any level, right? Dr. Holland, you see all my horses. You don't just see the mm-hmm. FEI ones. You see everybody. And and we have yeah. challenges with each one of them. And, you know, we, we move barns and we do things like that. And, and we try to keep it as, as easy and, and, and safe and positive as we can. But sometimes it's not. And and so I think that's why having a vet and having the team with you is is so very important. So, Dr. Holland, I think it's such a great topic, and I do think it's important that people know that you can treat at a horse show. You have to do it appropriately. You have to do it with vets that know the rules um, because you don't want to get caught on a rule that that something was injected or or whatever. But it is important to know that there are vets out there that want to help you. They want to, you know, obviously the, the horse's best interest is always highest importance but um within that the vets are there to help you and your horse and and dr holland is is phenomenal at that so um carol anything else that you want to kind of end with tonight no um i think all these points that you guys made and i love the fact that the team approached before i think that's that's like the best thing i've heard in a long time and and thank you for um the compliments and um i i just really appreciate it but um i like that that team idea. So thank you. And how can our listeners find you online? They can find me online at naturalvettv.com and PB stands for Palm beach, but it's, um, it's all one word. So naturalvettv.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much as always. Thank you too.
Well, tonight, as always, we are so happy to have Wendy Murdoch from the Murdoch Method on the show. Wendy, hi. How are you this Happy month? New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> I can't believe it. It is. I love it. How was your holidays? Did you have a good one? Oh, yeah. I, I have a quiet holiday, which I love. But what I do is I... I start in the upstairs closets and I go through and clean all the closets and throw out or donate or whatever, you know, if it's wherever I can give it away that somebody's going to be able to use it or whatever. And I start from top to bottom and then I start going through my files. It says like clean out the old year and get ready for the new year. And, you know, it feels like this year is going to be the first year that feels more like pre-COVID if that, if there's a way to Mm -hmm. say that. Yeah. You know, I agreed. Yeah, it's because I'm going to be getting back on the road and doing expos and doing clinics and demos and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be hopefully it'll be busy, but in the in the right way, busy. You know, not not kind of manic and uh, not frantic manic. Yeah, (laughs) we all hope. I'm trying. I'm trying to find that balance. If anybody finds it, let me know. You know, they can like (laughs) tell me where it is. I think we're 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 all there. For sure. I'm like, we're all there for sure. I love it. Well, you've also had really exciting things happening. Tell us all about them. Oh, we've got all kinds of things. So, so I am working on my, my schedule for the year. It's up on the Murdoch method website now, um, under clinics and there's still some links that we got to get up. So don't panic if it's not all the details are there, but I've been working my schedule and I always work on putting in the big events first. Cause then that's like your big rocks in your bowl and you put in your smaller rocks. So I'll be at equine affair, in Ohio and most likely also in Massachusetts. And this month I'm going to the USPC annual meeting in St. Louis, Missouri and to Hoof Summit, which is in Cincinnati. So we'll drive out to St. Louis and I'm presenting there. I think I'm doing three, yeah, I'm doing three lectures, balance, posture and behavior and how they're connected for horse and rider is one of my faves because it's all about balance, right? And if if the rider's not in balance, they can't help the horse to be in balance. So um, we've got to start by looking at ourselves and helping our horse how to be in balance. So I'm doing that. And I love with the kids. It's like, <laughs> I've, I've done Pony Club annual meeting, I don't know how many times now, long enough <laughs> that I don't remember. Okay. Um, but the kids are great. And I can, I can, I put up my balance trail where I set it on my surefoot pads and I, I can run a hundred kids through in about 30 minutes with adults. It's like, I, maybe I can get 20 through in 30 minutes. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. We all feel. Yeah. Yeah. And the kids love it. And we power through and they feel where that really good spot is when they're standing on an unstable surface, which is what a horse is and what a stirrup is. It's an unstable surface. Um, and so you can't brace against it. You have to be able to absorb the, the feeling so that you go with the horse instead of brace against it and put stress on the horse. So it's, it's always really fun. One year, oh God, it was in Florida, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember what my topic was. It was, but it had to do with like using your aids specifically and at the right time or just smashing them. And I literally got a watermelon and brought it in and did the Gallagher thing. <laughs> You did? Yes. Oh, you're I so did. cute. I, I swear to I have video of it. I put out the a, a big plastic sheet and I took that and I was like, this is when you just use a sledgehammer on your aid. And I smashed the watermelon in them. And then I said, and this is what if you use, you know, the appropriate amount of and I used a knife and I sliced it and I handed out one around. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I love it. You're so cute. That's why we love you so much. <laughs> I've forgotten all about that. Oh, it's so funny with the things you remember. I love it. Well, going to going to those lectures, especially with the kids, it is so much fun. Yeah. Um, and and it's a really good thing. And what's going on with Surefoot this year? Oh, Surefoot, we're really excited. We are um we have finished the roadmap for Surefoot practitioners, which literally has taken me this whole time of COVID. But you know, like to to do it right, to have a document that really outlines things and gets all the steps in place so there's no we're hoping there's no glitches um, has taken that time and so now I'm doing surefoot workshops in specific locations I'm going to the UK in March I'm so excited because they have wanted a surefoot practitioner workshop for since pre-covid and we're finally going to do that the first weekend in March Um, and then I'll be going to Kentucky and Washington State and uh, they're on listed on my website to do the surefoot practitioner workshop so I'm I'm just so excited because this year is like we can start 
doing the things that we wanted to do three years ago. Um, and, you know, it gave me the time to, to kind of get the details in place. But at the same time, it feels like I'm restarting the whole thing, which is fine. So, but that's that's great. I'm doing that. And um, I'm going back on safari this year. Um, yeah. We're going to Kenya. I have one slot left. Anybody's really oh keen? God. I so want to go. I know it's I'm really like, fun. Yes, Really like fun. so fun. Yeah, I love it. And um, I love it. Yeah, so well, so that and uh, I may be going on to Australia from there just to go down under. I mean, it's it yeah. was travel this year, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. it's been my my three years three years off. The, well, I traveled a bit last year, but um, yeah. So I'm back. <laughs> I love it. And you just hit a huge milestone with your podcast. Oh, I did. Uh, thanks for reminding me. I'm so excited. We hit 100,000 downloads on uh, Wendy's Winnie's, which is available on a- uh, Apple iTunes and Google and Amazon. And it's it's hosted on Podbean, so you can always get it from Podbean. Um, and you know what was so amazing is I looked at my stats, and it took us two years to get to 50,000, which we hit in September of this past year, 2022. So we started in September 2020, putting up the, the audio from the webinars with Wendy, which were now up to 293, I think. Um, and so we have 175 of the audio from those webinars up on Wendy's Winnie's, the podcast. And in five months, we doubled. So I, I so exciting. That means people are really enjoying it. And there's, you know, I have great, I've got more guests lined up. I've, I've sat down and I lined up a whole bunch more webinars. I kind of took a, you know, when I was traveling, like when I went to AAP, I was traveling. So it was really hard to, mm-hmm. to line people up. But now I've got a whole bunch of guests coming back and great topics. And I'm really excited to kind of kick that on again. And just, I just feel like it's, you know, we're kind of, um, I disappeared for a little while last fall because I did AAP and I know I did something else, but I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's so um, true. But yeah, getting things Love scheduled. It. Can I say one other thing? In all of this, I'm realizing that now I'm going to be traveling again. I I have decided I need to find an intern. So if there's anybody out there listening that is interested in being an intern, probably like partially remotely and partially here um, in Virginia, um, they can email me and let me know because it's, you know, because I need I need an intern. You need help. And <laughs> need your help. last your last person came from the show, so we like that. That's so yeah. Fun. That's why I thought it. You're you're a great place to put that out in the world, and you know sometimes you just have to put it out to manifest it to bring it in. So you got to just put it out and broadcast. <laughs> I love it. I was going to say I no, might see you in February. I'm going to see you in February. I'm so excited to have you come visit us here in Florida. Yeah. But Wendy, how can our listeners find you online and keep an eye on your travels? Okay, so the MurdochMethod.com is the website, and the clinic listings are there under clinics. Um, and the, I'm going to keep updating. It's not fully, fully fleshed out, but most of the dates are there. You can, if you're interested in interning, you can email me at wendy at wendymurdoch.com. That's M-U-R-D-O-C-H with an H. Um, and of course on Facebook, we have the Murdoch Method page and the Surefoot page and, you know, the Surefoot website and Instagram, same thing. So, um, and of course there's the webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel and I've discovered shorts. Okay, so shorts are yeah. like sixty-second or less videos on YouTube, and I'm I'm I, I'm just starting, so I'm not real good at it. But <laughs> I love it. Oh, <laughs> starting to I put up more it. shorts. Oh, so cool. So, well, Wendy, as going. always, thank you so much. We love it. Yeah, it's so great to talk to you guys. It feels like you know we we our last conversation was a million years ago last year. <laughs> It was last year. It was true. Well, we're glad we're back at it. We're we're back in, in program and we love it. So thanks for coming on the show. It's great to talk to you guys. And I know Phil's sitting there. He doesn't get a word in edgewise, but <laughs> he's used to it. That's okay. That's okay. I'm you know, I'm I'm uh I'm listening, right? Yeah, yeah. We know you're there. We always yeah. know you're there. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Well, thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Take care. As a listener of the show, you might have heard us talk about Ride IQ. Ride IQ is a new concept for equestrian, and it presents a really cool opportunity, the opportunity for you to take a lesson with a top coach anytime you'd like. Here's how it works. 
Ride IQ is a mobile app for iPhone and Android with hundreds of on-demand listen-while-you-ride audio lessons taught by top coaches across dressage, eventing, even the natural horsemanship, and sports psychology. In fact, I'm one of the coaches you can take lessons with with Ride IQ if you're not already tired of my voice. Whether you're looking to add structure to your rides, try new exercises, or build confidence, Ride IQ can help. With Ride IQ, you won't be waiting for your in-person lessons to make progress. You can make exceptionally productive rides on training days as well. Every membership automatically includes a two-week free trial. After that, membership is just $29.99 per month. Because you're a Dressage Radio Show listener, you'll get $15 off your first payment after the free trial. Just go to rideiq.com to sign up and use the code DRS to get your discount. That's rideiq.com and promo code DRS to start having the most productive schooling rides you've ever had. Well, everybody, we hope you enjoy this tip from Lauren Spreiser. I wanted to talk today about bend. Because bend is a really, oh, it's fine, oft misunderstood concept, I think. First, let's get some vocabulary down. Bend is in the horse's ribs. Bend is primarily in the horse's ribs. It is the horse contracting the abdominal and top line muscles on one side to wrap the horse's abdomen, basically, around the rider's leg. Flexion is the position of the pole. And as a result, a little bit the neck into or away from the direction of travel. I can have inside bend with very little inside flexion, but it is extremely easy to have flexion with no bend. And where I think the great majority of my students get bum fuzzled is that they think bend is in the neck or they think that by taking the horse's neck to the inside, that is sufficient, bless you, for bend. And this is both inside and outside, by the way, but it is very easy to pull on the reins. It is a lot less easy to create bend around the leg. And so people pull on the reins and that's that. So now let's talk about how we ask for bend. Let's talk about how we ask for inside bend, simply because that'll clarify the language. Inside bend is simply putting your inside leg on and asking the horse to lift the inside rib cage up into the inside butt cheek, the rider's inside butt cheek, inside hip, inside thigh. If you imagine being on the ground, lying on your side and doing an oblique sit up, your upper body comes off of the floor towards the ceiling by compressing your inside rib cage towards your inside hip. That's pretty easy when your outside is on the floor because you can't bow your outside down into the hard surface of the floor. What is easy for a horse to do is to, yeah, compress the inside rib cage, but expand the outside rib cage. And there I compare that to a human standing on their own two feet and, you know, bending laterally to the side in order you you can compress your inside rib cage down towards your inside hip and stay relatively short through your outside rib cage to outside hip or you can open up that outside and get a good stretch both are valuable and for horses bend thinking of bend in both of those ways there's a time and a place for it now let's talk about how one actually achieves that bend, yeah, the inside leg goes on. And I personally think about using the boning of my boot or the tip of my spur. This is why I don't tend to ride in very sharp spurs. 
because I need to be able to sort of hook that more precise pressure low on the horse's abdomen and draw my heel up. Draw my heel up and let that be sort of the, the point around which my horse bends. But that's not the only thing I'm doing. My outside leg is a presence in this story. My outside leg is slightly, slightly, slightly behind my inside leg. And it is present in what I call a guarding position, a guarding leg. It's not like I'm on gripping, telling my horse something. It's simply present like a bumper in a bowling alley. The bumper in a bowling alley doesn't guarantee you a strike. It just prevents you from falling in the gutter. Well, everybody, keep the email and Facebook shout outs coming. We love them. It makes our day and it helps us with all the programming we like to do for you guys. As always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think probably the best way to find me is through Facebook or my email is philip at horse radio network. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products and Ride IQ. If you'd like to support the show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.